Here's a question to ask yourself. What are two or three things that if they happened, or maybe if they didn't happen, could cripple you financially? So I ask this question quite frequently to my clients, and I get a variety of answers. But for business clients, one of the common answers is lawsuits and legal issues. So on this episode, we're going to talk about some ways to protect yourself from lawsuits. And please remember that this is not legal advice. This is simply general information. And if you have any questions about these concepts, make sure to talk to a licensed attorney in your state. All right, here we go. This is going to be a fun one. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, tactics, and strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. Um, today I'm excited. We're going to talk about a lot of cool things and I'm hopefully going to learn some things from my own business. And I hope that you learn a lot of facts for your business. We're talking with Scott Royal Smith. He's an educator an investor an author and attorney and a founder of an elite business with over, over 30 staffers protecting $1.2 billion of assets for over 2000 clients. So, Hey Scott, how are you? Hey David, doing well today, man. I'm actually in Ure, Colorado right now for the next two months. Uh, ice climbing out here. So I'm wow. really enjoying life at the moment. Yeah. What's the temperature out there right now? I don't know, man. The highs are actually like in the forties and fifties some days. Like it's, it's wild. And then uh, later this week, it's going to like the highs are going to be down in like the twenties. So uh, some days you're wearing more clothes, some days a little less, but bashing ice is always the same, regardless of what you're wearing. I um I live in South Carolina, so I literally don't even own a real winter coat. All right. So we're talking a lot of our a lot of our listeners are business owners and I love working with business owners because I'm one of them and I know that I have to run my business. I also have to know how to pay taxes. I also have to know who to pay for the utility bill. I have to know marketing. I have to know human resources. There's a lot. And then there's just my trade that I have to know. So business owners have to know a lot and oftentimes they don't even know what they don't know. So we're going to talk about, um, like legal liability today, how to protect yourself, and because um, uh, that could be a huge, huge issue. So let's let's talk first. So I'm a business owner. Like, what are some legal liability issues that I and my business should be concerned about protecting myself from? Well, there's typically like two types of like liability, right? Like, what are the things that are going to get you sued? Right. Mm -hmm. And typically the way I think about these buckets, it's like, that's all the things that insurance is going to protect you from. And then all the things that insurance never will protect you from. So the things that insurance will protect you from are like simple accidents. Like somebody slips and falls in your store or, you know, something like that. Right. But then there's all the things that insurance will never protect you from. And that has to do with like the, you know, your product or service, like causing um, some type of like unexpected, you know, harm to somebody, you breaching a contract or allegations of fraud. Um, those are all things that insurance never protects you from. And if you're sued in one of those areas and you are running your business in your personal name, or you just have like a single LLC that owns everything, then what happens is somebody puts you in a position where it says, we could take everything that you own, everything that you've worked hard for, for your whole life, maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where, where asset protection comes into place to say, well, how do you make it such that you just never care about lawsuits? And what are the strategies that sophisticated business people do to be able to say, well, how, do, how can I 
accomplish that goal while being able to have a very manageable operational business in terms of bookkeeping and banking, et cetera, and have it do it in a way that's affordable. So it's not, doesn't really hit my bottom line. And that becomes like the magic of uh, asset protection as a field. Well, I mean, you you got me uh, got me curious now. So let's let's maybe talk about you know some of the simple ways that a small business owner. We're talking someone with you know one to fifteen or twenty employees. We're not talking like huge mega corporations. We're talking about privately held companies. Like like what are what are one or one or two of the ways that they can protect themselves from lawsuits? And you mentioned something like breach of contract. Well, sometimes that's pretty broad, right? And I. I may not believe that I'm in breach of contract. You as the opponent may believe that I am in breach of contract. So it's not that simple, right? Of just don't break well, a contract because sometimes fact, these things are I'll always lie. If I'm sure. the person that's suing you, they Absolutely. always lie. There's no such yeah. thing. I've never seen it in the history of lawsuits of me, like working as a litigation attorney before I got into helping people build wealth and build businesses through, um, through Royal legal solutions and starting that up. Every single person lied. They didn't even know they were lying. But then what happens is that they're so invested in doing like whatever it takes to win um, that it's just this is just what human beings do. Right. So that's why like being honest is never really a a defense to anything, because there's crazy people out there. Crazy people will make crazy allegations that you think are ridiculous and then they lie about them. And then pretty soon you're in a place that says, oh, well, it's going to be cheaper for me to pay this person to go away than to have to take Mm -hmm. the risk um, of, um, you know, uh, 12 random people I don't know in a box called a jury, maybe deciding against me and then losing right. everything that I own. And right. this is how you basically get extorted. So mm-hmm. like, um, but there's ways to protect yourself against that to make it, to make it where you just don't care about lawsuits anymore. And typically what you want to do for that is at least have like a two company structure. You want to have one company. That's your forward facing company. It's called your operating company. That's the one that does everything, signs all the contracts, it sends all the emails, it does everything, right? It's going to do everything and not own anything. And then you want a completely separate company called your asset holding company. And that asset holding company is what owns everything, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't touch the outside world at all. Once things start touching the outside world, that's where they start getting liability that triggers lawsuits. So your asset holding company will own everything. It won't do anything. Um, and then inside of that asset holding company, you want to compartmentalize every asset. So if there's a lawsuit against one particular asset and you can't touch any of the other assets and you want to own that company um, and all of the assets anonymously. So if anybody ever looks to sue you, says, ah, it doesn't look like David has anything. And guess what? There's not many lawsuits against people that doesn't look like they own anything because you can't get much out of somebody who looks like qualifies for food stamps. Right, right. Yeah, I always say if you have MD after your name and you get into a minor car accident, whether it's fair or not, you get sued for more than the person who's driving a 1975 Honda Civic because they would appear, you know, one party appears to have assets <laughs> and one party appears to have no assets. And and the one with more assets uh, will definitely uh, potentially get sued for more. Yeah, always, right? So it's just really important to make it where you know, nobody actually has any leverage over you in life, especially not leverage about taking everything that you own or everything that you've worked so hard to build. And especially when it's so easy to protect it because the odd, the reality is that if you own all of your assets in your personal name, you're a sitting duck. You have a big mm-hmm. target on your back. It says, please sue me and please take all my stuff. So what about yeah. your house? Like your personal residence, should you own that in your name or, or what are, what are some, what are some, thinking points because we're not giving legal advice maybe we're, we're we're just giving some thinking points on on your your home 
Yeah, man. Um, well, I mean, that's always like a question to say, well, is the home already protected? And da, 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 da. Um, the reality is that homestead protections like that are uh, typically are pretty limited. They only protect like actually a part of what the value of the home is, right? So why would you ever accept limited protections when you can have unlimited protections by compartmentalizing the home inside of like a series LLC structure or an LLC structure? Um, especially if you use a series LLC structure, you get to create an infinite number of little companies for free, essentially. And you get to compartmentalize every asset that you own for free. So if it's free to be able to create stronger protection for it using like a series LLC structure, why would you ever rely on homestead protections? So series LLC structure, let, let's explain that to me like I don't know what you're talking about because quite frankly, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's like think of it as like a parent child, right? So like um, you have this parent company that you file called the series LLC. You're going to form that in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming. Um, that allows for the creation of series LLCs and that are, they also have something called strong charging order protection. So LLCs that don't have charging order protection are basically worthless. So you want to form your LLCs in states that have strong charging order protection. Charging order protections have to do with like, if I sue David, can I take his ownership interest in an LLC? States like California, no charging order protection. I sue David, I get to take his LLC. You might say like, why the heck would I even have an LLC if they can do that? And I would yeah. say, yeah, that's right. There's almost zero point. So that's why you need um, to have states use the states that use uh, charging order protection. The series LLC, what it allows you to do is I have one company that I form, one company to maintain. I can have one bank account, one set of accounting books, as long as I keep track of the individual income and expenses of each of my child series of this parent entity. And a child series is, a, is basically like a baby LLC. But it's a baby LLC that you can create without having to do any additional filing, pay to create it, nothing to pay to maintain it. You don't have to do anything on a yearly basis. And so you basically can spin up free LLCs on your desktop. And so this it's in this way that you're able to create an infinitely expandable company. It doesn't cost you anything more. It doesn't complicate your bank accounts. You still just operate everything out of a single bank account. You just need a set of accounting. One tax return or, or, or numerous tax returns? No tax. You can, even if it's a disregarded entity, like you're the sole owner, there's no additional tax returns because okay. they'd be treated disregarded. And all you have to do is just make sure that inside of your bookkeeping, you have class you know, the classifications of like, great, I'm keeping track of my income and expenses for each individual child series for that piece of real estate or that investment or whatever that might be, right? If it has income and expenses and that's it. And can all your primary residents can own, you know, uh, all of your syndication or LP deals that you might have as part of your investments, can all your brokerage account. And this turns into like your safe or your vault. Um, it can even own your business assets, that you would then like lease back to your operating company for your active business. That way, if somebody sues your active business, you can simply just shut down that LLC and start up a new one. But because it didn't own any assets, you just create new leases from your asset holding company that owns those assets to your new operating company that you just spun up. And so that way your, your major company, your operating company, your major business um, never really gets tangled up in lawsuits that it'll really care about. If you're listening to this episode and enjoying this episode, there is a good chance that you're a business owner. And if you're a business owner, there's a good chance that you've given at least some thought to the prospect of selling your business to fund your future lifestyle. So if that's the case, go to my website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com slash drivers and download the free ebook, The Eight Key Drivers of Company Value. 
You see, there are eight things that if you get them right and if you get them all moving in the right direction, your company becomes more sellable and more valuable. So that way you can either sell it for a higher multiple when you're ready or simply have an easier and more profitable life today. So the link will be in the show notes, but it's www.weeklywealthpodcast.com slash drivers. And now let's get back to the show. Now, this sounds really interesting, but like, I'm not big enough for this. I'm, I'm not uh, a huge, you know, $50 million company. Is that a legitimate comment or, or is it kind of like, no, I mean, anybody's big enough or any company's big enough to protect? Well, I mean, you're typically, you know, talking less than like 10K for full setups and underneath like a few thousand dollars a year to be able to maintain it with a, with a professional team that actually mm-hmm. fully maintains it, briefs you on it, connects you to like, here's what you need to be doing. And, um, I mean, it shouldn't actually take you any more time, you know, like mm-hmm. what's the difference between recording income expenses and your normal ledger versus like clicking like one extra button to like classify it, that it belongs to a particular child series of a series LLC if you happen to own real estate or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the, um, what I always tell for people, what I always tell people is says this game that you're trying to play by like having to avoid doing the hard work of actually building wealth and operating like rich people do is just a big game that you're playing to um, try to keep yourself from being rich. Mm-hmm. If you want to create a great business, do you say like, well, I'm going to wait until I'm a bigger business before I start instituting best practices? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Who, who does that? You would always be like, no, that's ridiculous. You right. should adopt best practices as a way of operating. The problem is, is that everybody thinks that wealth is not a business. And it is. You're mm-hmm. actually, cre- the reason why it's so hard is because you, it is, it is a business that has multiple visions, has a, a legal division, has a tax division, has a cash flow management and financial division. And then it has this whole other thing called like a deal pipeline that has to run about like what investments are you going to make? And so you're actually trying to be the CEO of this new startup company that you're running and trying to build at the same time you're trying to build your other active businesses and do your family and make it to soccer games. No wonder right. you feel freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. So like that's that's the the nuts and bolts on it is to say like, yeah, you should just start doing at the appropriate level for the size that you're at for the best practices. So that might just be like a single LLC for you, or it might be no LLCs, right? If you're small enough, it's like, great, you shouldn't do anything right now until you get above $50,000 a year in active income. And then we want to create an LLC for your protection and classify as an S corp to save on self-employment tax and start doing those basic things. But it's never too early to start doing the right thing at the appropriate level of where you're at in the journey. Everything else is just stuff that lazy, stupid people say that will always be poor. They'll never be rich. Yeah, that, yeah. You don't don't take advice from poor people. That's always uh, always the best advice. And, for sure. and rich people always tell you to do things the right way. They always like mm-hmm. do it the right way. They never say to cut corners unless they're Instagram famous. You know, selling mm-hmm. pictures of their butt, and juicing st- celery on the and the kitchen counter. You know. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it for sure. So what about? So we we're, we're talking a little bit about legal liability breach of contract, uh, premises liability, things like that. What about uh, debt collectors? What are some ways that potentially debtors can can be prevented from coming after you or your entity? Well, remember, like it depends how you enter into the debt, right? So if I have no assets and I have a bunch of like personal debtors, they'll say like, oh, cool. Well, um, 
they can come after me all they want, but I don't own anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So like, what are they going to take? Right. right. Um, same thing too. Like if I have, you know, LLC entities that are standalone entities and all of the debt is just to like XYZ LLC is like a business debt. Well, then they can't come after me personally for it. So that's part of the negotiation when you're looking at different types of debt that you're taking on. It's like, oh, but, do but I- until your LLC is is doing very well and established, a bank may not loan money to your LLC without you personally guaranteeing it. Correct. Well, the question is, is what I don't maybe I need to better understand the premise of your question is the premise of the question to try to get how can I take on debt and then not be like legally responsible for it? How can I take on debt and if I'm not able to pay for it, uh, you know, the intention would never to be not to pay it back. But if, if, if crap happens, you know, they still can't come after me personally. Yeah. So in the very beginning of the game, there's no way around having to personal guarantee stuff and having a good credit score. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't able been able to find a way to be able to do that. Right. Um, at some point, though, what you want to be able to do is if you want to establish an LLC and then start running that business, typically between like for like one to three years to establish that the business itself has credit worthiness and that the business that can then start taking on its own uh, its own debts like at that point. Right. Um, you know, <clears throat> if you end up with a bunch of debt that you can't pay back. A lot of times there's really good ways to try to negotiate um, off of those debts and there are services that you can pay for to do that. But there's also ways that you can just talk directly to them and um, come into a place to be able to figure out like, okay, how can I get those debts off of my um, credit report uh, while also just making like small monthly payments to them to bring the debt like current to a negotiator rate that's usually like 50% off of whatever the original debt would be. So you can get that credit score. Then you can establish like lines of credit to be able to grab, you know, money to to hopefully like invest, um, invest well. So lo- let's talk about lawsuit defense. So if you sue me, like what has to happen in order for you to win, uh, in order to win that lawsuit? Yeah, well, all I got to do is, um, I mean, a typical flow to a lawsuit is that one, I file a lawsuit, I make a claim, uh, then we will exchange information back and forth. That's called discovery. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go to trial, typically with a jury, um, and which would be just 12 random strangers. Then what happens is, let's say I win that, then I get a piece of paper. It's called a judgment. And then with that judgment, I can go to the local sheriff. And we can start trying to seize assets, anything that you had with whoever, whatever the defendant had, whether the defendant was an LLC or the defendant was a person, you know, whatever's in that entity or that person's name that was a listed defendant in the lawsuit, including like bank accounts. I can go to Chase Bank and they'll freeze your bank accounts. I can go to, you know, the sheriff and they'll like put notices of foreclosure on your residence or your rental property or whatever the case may be. Then those assets either get seized or the houses get foreclosed on, sold at auction. And then that's the way I get, quote unquote, paid on my judgment. And the reason why asset protection is effective is that it it makes it where that process becomes overly burdensome from a business perspective for them to go with to try to go for the lawsuit. And it also makes it difficult for them at every single stage from the very beginning stages of finding out, like, who do I even sue to like, how do I even get a hold of the information for discovery okay so even if i want a judgment is there any money there for me to actually go after and bank accounts or assets that i can seize Mm -hmm. um even if i can seize them and sell them is there any money that's left over 
after, you know, um, you know, debts and other things are having to get paid uh, that are associated with those with those assets. And it, it seems like it would be bigger deal and complicated to set up some of these companies. But is that something that your your company helps with as far as, uh, you know, if, if someone is, is thinking, I would like to make myself legally invisible, but I don't know where to start. Like, what would the process be to work with you or, or somebody else? Yeah, I mean, there's typically a, a right place for every person on the spectrum, right? Some people are like, um, you know, are belts and suspenders, <laughs> you know, they're like, mm-hmm. I want to be bulletproofed out to the maximum that I can be. And uh, that helps me sleep easy at night. And I want to do that. And then there's some people are like, I just want to do stuff that's really tax efficient. And then mm-hmm. then there's some people that are in between. They're like, I want some some protection and I want to save a bunch of money on taxes. So that's really the end of the day. Um. You know, it really, it's uh, tax savings um, is always available for everybody that we work with. Um, and we actually lead by tax give, savings. Give, give, yeah, give an example of, of how you might save save taxes just kind of in a, in a simple, simple way. Yeah, so let's say, um, you know, let's say you're like a solo producer right now, right? And say you're like just managing everything in your personal name or like maybe you have an LLC. And if you're making over 50K, what we're going to say is great. Well, let's uh, take your LLC. We're going to classify your LLC as an S corporation. That's going to save you on self-employment tax. And it's going to save you about 10% per year mm-hmm. on your taxes, right? About 50K is where like the cost, the tax savings equals having the cost of having to prepare an extra tax return. So typically what we tell people is that if you're making over um, like a hundred to $200,000 a year in household income, like all the services that we do will pay you back um, somewhere between a 50 to hundred percent annualized return, like tax. The reason why rich people always care so much about taxes is because it's the only investment that you can make that has a guaranteed return that has somewhere between like a 50 to hundred percent annual return for every dollar that you spend on tax savings. You should get that kind of, um, annualized uh, return on a strategy perspective. And there's no other investment on the planet, um, that does that. So, so that's one like basic stuff. And then like we have other things that are out there for like people that are W2, for example, like a oh, cool, how do you set up a private foundation? So you can take 30% of your income, not pay tax on it, invest in it and a private foundation, let that grow tax free. And whenever you're ready to hit the financial freedom button, you can take a salary as a director from that private foundation to help you, you know, save money on taxes, grow the wealth tax free, and then take money out as you're wanting to go live, um, this uh, financially, you know, free lifestyle. And there's like 25 different strategies that we typically do for people um, that are inside of that 200K plus annual income, household income. Yeah. You know, and I always say a lot of people, they just don't know what they don't know, Um, especially when we're talking about money and we're talking about taxes and we're talking about a lot of different financial planning strategies. And you can even have sophisticated, you know, high, high, high net worth, high income people. I mean, the doctors are the worst, right? I mean, they, they don't, they don't know what the heck to do with their money. And and oftentimes they are way overpaying and, and, yeah. and they do have some, some pretty strong exposure to lawsuits uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, our average client is paying that's um, somewhere between zero to 12% a year in tax. And before they come to us, they're typically playing somewhere between 22 to 35. And like you said, the tax saving is, a, you know, that's a guaranteed rate of return. A lot of people, so as a financial advisor, people will, you know, when they first meet you, what do you do? Well, I'm a financial advisor. Oh, really? Well, where are the markets going? And, and if I gave you some money right now, where would you invest it? 
And, you know, the answer is, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, I have a, a good idea and our firm has a great investment process, but, but I don't know anything about you. Maybe you should pay off some debt. Maybe there's something else you should do with that money instead of investing. So the financial planning process is not simply where should I invest my money? It's how can I, how can I protect myself? How can I uh, minimize taxes or, or reduce taxes? You know, of course, where to invest money is a part of it. Um, how can I give money away to make myself uh, feel better and and be more valuable to the world? I mean, there's a lot that goes into the financial planning process, and it's not just where should I um where should I spend my money? So yeah, um, so I mean, yeah, I think that's a great good consideration. And just one point I'd add to that is for anybody that's uh, asked like those questions, and if this is something you get at like parties or wherever you go to, David or and whatnot, what's a really fun response to that question is to ask people like, what do you want? And yeah. then just deadpan it and then just stare at them because then they might come back with like a financial question and like a financial thing like, oh, often almost nobody actually knows what investment they're really looking for. I find you'll be like, do you know what the exact investment you need is into your portfolio yeah. to reach? Your oh, objectives? I have a Roth. Yeah, I have a Roth. That's my investment. <laughs> they'll, they'll say something really? like yeah. that. And you're like, yeah. you're like, that's not an objective. That's a strategy right. that you're trying right. to get to. But then if you just keep. What I find is super fun. If you just keep asking people, but what do you want? I know I hear that, but what do you want? Eventually you get to this place where they just stare at you with like vacant eyes and like have to like stare deeply into their soul about like, oh, well, what actually is the point of any of this stuff anyway? Like, why am I even doing all of this to begin with? And I'm like, right, that's actually the place to start from. Because until you know that, you don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really about the money. It's about what the money can do for you. It's about how you can live a better life and, and all of um, all of those kind of things. As people are listening, saying this is pretty fascinating, like I'd like to get in touch with this dude. Like, how would they do that? How would they find you? And, and maybe what would the beginnings of that process look like? Yeah. So the best thing to do is just go to Royal Legal Solutions. Um, dot com and the royal legal solutions.com web page in the top right hand corner there's a, a link that says the vault the vault is where i have like eight ebooks hundreds of hours of videos it's all the technical training of everything that needs to happen for asset protection estate planning tax insurance how we look at different types of lp interests um, for like investments um everything in there it's probably it's worth at least five to ten thousand dollars for that kind of course and i'd give it to everybody for free because my big my big thing is is like it's never too early to start getting educated Right. Yeah. And I actually don't want to charge you any money to get educated. The stuff took me 12 years to put together to figure out how does it all work. I want everybody to be able to shortcut that. Right. At least on the education perspective. Then on the homepage of the royallegalsolutions.com website, there's a video that says, here's everything in this video. It's everything you need to know to put together your own wealth building company. What are all the systems, the processes, the teams, the meeting structure, everything. It also explains here's how we operate it to do it like on a fractionalized basis to make people the CEO of their own wealth building company that we build and manage for them, right? And training them how to be a CEO of this of this organization that they're really trying to, to manage to become sophisticated about. And then we have a bunch of testimonials on there because the number one problem that we run into is people say, this is way too good to be true. None of this stuff feels real. How come all the people in my life haven't told me about this stuff before? Mm-hmm. So we have a ton of right. testimonial videos that are on the website of like, here's all the people that we can show you that this is where it works sure. for. So it's really just as easy as going to royallegalsolutions.com, checking out some of the content and book a call with somebody from the team that can tell you, here's exactly where you should start. And maybe you don't need to do anything right now, but get edu- 
do the education, maybe there's some small thing you need to do. Um, but when you connect to the team, they'll be able to help you figure out what that perfect next step is going to be for you. And we only will charge you money if you're actually asking us to do create create stuff for you that will make you money. So royallegalsolutions.com, check it out. Uh, go to the vault section. And then also there is a lot of information on this site. So it's a really a great place to, uh, to increase your education and to learn about wealth building and, and asset protection and everything else that we've spoken about today. So this is really cool. Now, there's one question <clears throat> that I did not tell you I was going to ask you, and um, I'm interested in, in your perspective based on based on what you do for a living. So we're the Weekly Wealth Podcast. And like I said, we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So Scott Royal Smith, what is your definition of wealth? What does wealth mean for you, for your family, for the people that you care about in your life? Yeah. Wealth actually means nothing. Interesting. Wealth, wealth, wealth to me is actually, it's the experience of nothingness. And what I mean by that is when you're truly wealthy, nothing actually is there pushing on you anymore. You're just actually experiencing life like the way it comes up. You're not experiencing the fears that I don't have enough. You're mm -hmm. not experiencing the desires that I'm I'm not um, going to be able to create what I want as the type of experience I want to create today. You're not in lack of whatever's there. So, mm -hmm. True wealth is so much more than money because mm -hmm. you can have a bunch of money and still not be wealthy. You're still miserable. The no true question. wealth is this other type of experience of freedom. And then you won't. And, and then the abundance of wealth is actually the experiences of like, I lack nothing of everything that I need in this moment. Nobody ever gives a dollar amount for that question. And everybody, you know, generally has some version of freedom because again, it's not really the money, um, but going out to Colorado for two months isn't free either. So you, you know, you're, you're having to pay for it in one way, shape or form. But, um, you know, these, these things, you know. Uh, the experience of, of ice climbing for a few months is a, you know, something great to look back on when, when you're done with it for sure. Right. Yeah. And then the counterpoint to it is to say like, would life be any less amazing if I wasn't doing this? I think like if you're, if you're living a life that says I'm going, I'm going ice climbing because that's actually what makes life good. Then you miss the whole point. Mm -hmm. You miss the entire point of it. Right. It's just ice climbing is just what's happening because right. it's what came up. But the, the real challenge is actually trying to learn to say, like, how does each day become fantastic, regardless of whatever happens today, even when it's crappy, it's still perfect, exactly what it needs mm -hmm. to be. And I can still say, like, man, how amazing it is that I get to experience whatever it was that I got to experience today. And that's why I like yep. this, this kind of mindset and this kind of training is the most difficult thing to do. It's, it's it by is. far the most difficult thing I've ever do. And I would say, if you want to live like that, the first thing to do is actually become financially free. So all the pressure gets off of you. So you can actually learn what it's like to have a higher level of existence. Yeah. Well, it's crazy how much of our success, however we de define success, starts between our ears on how we think. And that affects how we act and what we do. And that affects what we get or don't get. And it affects a lot. And um, there are ways that poor people think. And, you know, it doesn't make them bad. Maybe they were never taught differently. But there are definitely poverty mentality that holds people down that they need to get past. And then, like you said, there are, there are ways that, you know, rich people act in a certain way as well. And um, I, I think that we all need to raise our game and act in a way that's going to take us towards where we want to be, not, not, not away from where we want to be. I can't 
I can't uh, agree with you more um, on that, man. And then what I found is that that whole game is actually a rabbit hole that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's actually a never, to me, what I find it to be is a never ending deeper level of experience. And yep. that it's, um, and I, I, I just keep reminding everybody that it's like, you know, if you can get financially free and then get the pressure off of your back of survival, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? If you can get that kind of just basic human survival need off of you, right? By, by getting yourself to a place where you are financially free and you're safe and you can finally rest into that, then all of the other pieces will all kick off at that point. Right. And yep. it'll be challenging yeah. and it'll be amazing. And it'll be the most difficult thing you've ever gone into your life at that place, so but it'll be beautiful and amazing and make life more rich, but you have to get financially free first. Cause it's so hard to do um, until you can get the survival thing off of your back. Yeah. And sometimes being financially free doesn't necessarily mean making more money. Sometimes it's cutting out some, some huge expenses and, and cutting out some big, you know, big monthly bills, uh, you know, we've all known the high earning people that are just leveraged to the hilt and they they have no no monthly margin. Well, that's not financial freedom either. You just have nicer stuff. But, um, you know, there, there's COVID happens or you lose your job happens or business is down happens and all of a sudden you're 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 struggling. So I think margin and 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 managing what you have well is um, is super important. So, yeah. And find super. a teacher, too, if you mm -hmm. can. Find somebody that can help you because like find somebody who also is already free. Find mm -hmm. somebody else that already has the mindset and shows up with that kind of peace in their eyes and the stillness that's inside of them and this kind of life. And then, and then just do exactly what they tell you to do. Absolutely. That's all you have to do. Absolutely. I love it. Well, you and I could probably talk about mindset, uh, you know, for hours. It, it, it fascinates me and it's one of my, uh, one of my favorite topics, but, um, but yeah, I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time and I appreciate your, your expertise. Anybody who wants to learn more, go to Royal Legal Solutions. That's R-O-Y-A-L-L-E-G-A-L solutions.com. Click on the Royal Vault, look at all the resources. And if you feel like it's for you, go to the contact us button and book a call. So, Hey, Scott, I appreciate it, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Thanks, David. It's a great time being here with you. The information contained herein included but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other materials obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. These materials are provided for informational purposes only and should not be used for or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of any future results.